Hey everybody, this is Arthur with Arthur Talks, and today we have the most fantastic show that we've ever put together. We are going to investigate with Sherlock Holmes over here, Stephen, and uh, he's on the hot trail of somebody that was telling us in the 1930s, 35, 38, what do you get? 34. 34, well, I knew that was one of those numbers. Anyway, Stephen. Well, in uh, December of uh, 2007, I was just finishing a screenplay, and I decided to look on the Internet to search for an interesting story that I could use to write another screenplay on. Right. It was at that time I uh, stumbled on the legend of J.C. Brown. It's oh. a story written by Emily A. Frank. Okay. After reading the legend, I became fascinated and I decided that I'd spend some time to research it at the New York Public Library. And that, how many years ago? Well, the legend was at least 76 years ago. Wow. And uh, it's an interesting story, Arthur. It's uh, a baffling story about a man by the name of J.C. Brown. J.C. Brown. Okay. That in the year of 1934, at the age of approximately 67, he appears in Stockton, California. Wow. The old-timer, he spins a tale about a lost treasure he had found 30 years earlier in 1904 while employed with the Lord Cowjay Mining Company of England. Oh, my goodness. So he was going out looking for gold? Yes, he was a geologist, and uh, he shows up 30 years later in the office of the editor of the Stockton Record newspaper All right. in California. And after telling his story to the, uh, the editor, the editor then contacts the curator of the... Uh, Hagen Museum, whose name is Harry Noyes Pratt, and they both questioned uh, Mr. J.C. Brown closely, and they go over the d details of his bizarre story. Which is interesting, uh, after reading it, I started to research, as I mentioned, and uh, there was a 1934 article written in the Stockton Record regarding J.C. Brown, and uh, there were two articles. One of the article, uh, and this was June 19th of 1934. The first article is, Here's Brown's Weird Tale of a Lost Village. And uh, so I'm going to read a little bit on the first article of what we found here. Uh, in the first article written in 1934, Brown's original story, as he told the representative of the Stockton Record, Wow. A month and a half earlier, which would have made it in May of 1934. Right, right. That he was his first time in Stockton, California, and he was going to give his personal story. In J.C. Brown's words, I found this cave while working in the Cascade Mountains for the Lloyd Cowjay Mining Company of England. I noticed a section of the rock in the face of the cliff which did not jive with the formation of the realm of the mass. On my second trip up to the mountain, I entered the tunnel. After removing the rock, I entered the tunnel, which curved downward. So the, the mountain then, the tunnel then curved down into wow. the mountain. Three miles from the mouth of the tunnel, wow. and the tunnel was seven feet wide and ten feet high. So it was a large tunnel that we're talking about. He struck a cross section containing gold-bearing ore. Okay. Further on, he struck another cross section where there was ancient race that he believed that it were apparently mining copper at the time. He said that the air in one section was so bad that he believed the other cross sections outcropped on some part of the mountain. The de decline continued and he went further into the mountain and he said he went 11 miles and approximately 2,300 feet 
from the surface, whereas in his words, he struck what he called the village. Wow. A village in the center of the earth. Yes, a village in the center of the earth. Is that the center of uh, Mount Shasta? Yeah, this is in the bowels of Mount Shasta. At the yes. bowels of it. All right. What he went on to say in the article that I had here, and I'm mentioning, which is 1934, June 19th, as interviewed by the newspaper, he goes on to say that what he found, he found two rooms filled with tablets. And the wow. tablets were three or four inches thick and concave, and they laid one inside of another. The rooms were literally full of three plates inscribed neatly. Another room contained many weapons. The tempered copper spears were so, was so that you could bend the head of the weapon to the base of the shaft, and it would spring right into place. That's amazing. He then found that the streets were laid out like a village. Okay. He went into one room, and the room was laid out in an angle, and to the wall he found 27 skeletons. Whoa. And these are tall Lemurians? Well, the smallest of which was six foot six inches, wow. and the tallest was over 10 feet tall. Wow. He went on to another room, and in the other room, he noticed some embalming techniques and uh, with the bodies of a man and a woman that were dressed in royal robes. Wow, the king and queen? Well, that's what he believed they were. He believed that they were a king and queen. And uh, the room was beautiful to behold, in his words. He said, on the walls were three great crosses, not of the conventional modern type, and his son designed, worked in copper and gold. The streamers for the son were worked in gold stringers, and there were, as he believed in his words, 13 statues made of copper and gold. He went on to say he believed that this, this race of people form an important link in ancient American history, that they were highly skilled craftsmen, as their work would show, and he believed there was a glow to three of the statues, and he believed that they used radium, and he believed that with the use of radium, they were able to t temper the copper. So this was an advanced civilization that he had uh, encountered. He then went on to say his wish was to enlist a corps of trained people whom he would pay well for their services okay. to assist him in cataloging these specimens. He wanted the relics in this cave to remain intact. Mm -hmm. There were two other caves in which he had located that would go to the people who aided him coming up to do the expedition. So there were more than one, one find that he had found while going into Mount Shasta. He claimed that he had in a vault in a Texas bank pictures of the scene and paper, and papers regarding the find. He says, you see, my family planned to ex exploit the cave themselves. So hmm. at some point, he told his family about it. His wife, his wife's father, his two daughters, and an old college chum wow. all wanted to come back up to Mount Shasta. But then a series of tragedies struck him. Wow. First, one died, then another. One was killed in an accident, and then all the others died. Now, what were, what were they doing? Were they getting information for, for this guy? Well, they got information. This is after he retired. They got information from him, and they wanted to come back with him up to Mount Shasta to seek out the treasure. 
because in the legend he had mentioned that he, he wanted to wait until after he retired for the Lord Cowdrey Mining Company, so that way Lord Cowdrey himself could not be part of the claim. Mm -hmm. So now he's retired, and as he's telling his family, his immediate family about this, they all have, I guess, gold fever, and they want to come back up there to uh, Mount Shasta with him. But all of a sudden, tragedies affect his inner circle of friends and family. At that point, he was hurt in an accident, and then he lost all heart in his ambition, but he said he was getting back on his feet again and his health would hold out. He would be ready to get started again. He ended by saying in the first interview to the newspaper reporter, have you ever read or studied anything about the lost continent of Lemuria? Mm -hmm. Ending by saying, scientists claim that it is the connecting link in the story of civilization, and they believe that it is the key to lost civilization. So that was the first part in the article that was written June 19th. The second article in the same paper, uh, the headline is an interesting headline. Followers hold all-night vigil for missing leader on trip to find weird cave. Disappearance of chief leaves group of local people enlisted in mysterious, in mysterious mission wondering next step. Hmm. Surprise promised units fail to materialize while many hold nocturnal watch to await J.C. Brown's return. Wow. Eighty people waited and they attempted to piece together reasons for the d disappearance of J.C. Brown. So he disappeared? Disappeared in thin air. Uh, uh, go on. Well, he promised to lead them to the riches of the lost race of Lemuria. The police, too, they were interested, and they sought Brown for questioning. Uh-oh. <laughs> Brown began organizing a band of followers, and for six weeks, they were, he was telling a Stockton newspaper that in 1904, he had discovered a tunnel in the Cascade Mountains which led to a cavern filled with relics of apparently a lost race. The newspaper man took Brown to Harry Noyce Pratt, the curator of the Hagen Memorial Museum. Wow. Mr. Pratt then gave J.C. Brown a list of people who might be interested in Brown's story. Yeah, yeah. So now he's got the curator hooked in his story. They enlist John C. Root, a retired printer, who lived at 1784 North San Joaquin Street in Stockton. So Root became the organizer. He took Brown to his home, and gradually an organization was formed with the purpose of participating in an expedition and exploring Brown's cavern. And did they find this guy? Well, they didn't find this guy yet. At this point, they've got 80 people now coming to the home, listening. Meetings were held twice a day, and the followers grew to 80 in number. So 80 people from the town were now coming twice a day to listen to J.C. Brown's uh, unbelievable tales. Brown's original story expanded to such an extent that his followers were told, and many believed, uh, Arthur, that... The cavern held a secret to the lost race and continent of Lemuria. Wow, that's exciting. Brown, despite the fact that in the early part of his years had lived in the federal shelter, allegedly told his organization that he was worth $40 million and owned five boats, one of which was a glass-bottom boat, which would arrive here Sunday, take the party north to search for the lost continent off the coast of Washington. 
Many people, Arthur, gave up their positions, right? Yeah, I would think so. Gradually, as Brown's story expanded, some of the followers reported mysticism, occultism, and other groups wow. entered into the organization's discussions. So a number of other people started showing up just to hear uh, Mr. Mr. Brown tell his tale. Wow. Now, some of it was reported that these people actually, as I mentioned, gave up their positions and they disposed of their furniture, their belongings, so they'd be free to accompany Brown on the expedition. Wow, just like that. Well, they were, you know, they, they were in hook, line, and sinker. They believed that Mr. Brown was uh, telling a tale that uh, the legend did exist. The legend exists. Le leaving Ruth's home early yesterday, Brown left word that a surprise awaited his followers if they would gather at Ruth's home at 1 p.m. So on June 18, 1934, he right. told them that on the following day, if everybody would be there on June 19th, that a surprise would be waiting at 1 o'clock. And, and? Well, people began arriving around noon. Right. And most of them remained until early hours the next morning. Wow. But Brown failed to return. He didn't show? Didn't show. Just like... Uh, up in smoke. Up in smoke. <laughs> oh, man, so what's going on? Well, proof had been demanded earlier, and Brown had claimed he had photographs and other proof of his discovery right. in a Texas bank. But the proof was demanded of him recently by the curator, Harry Noyes Pratt, and it was understood, Mr. Pratt said, that if he didn't get any actual proof that he wasn't going on the expedition. So right. Brown said that he had this, this proof and that he would be forthcoming with it. Some of the followers of Brown's believed that Brown might have manufactured a story from one of Bulware Lighton's yeah. novels. Was he writing a novel? No, but some, however, believed that they clung to the belief that Brown would return and make, 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 make good with his promise that he would reveal the lost city. What was interesting about this, Arthur, is that the meetings at the, the root home attracted neighbors, and some right. of them thought that they were political m meetings being held in progress. Yeah, yeah. Police, however, began an inquiry, because now the police came in. Investigation. It was investigation time. So, did they find this guy at all? Well, not yet, because now the police come in, wow. and they're trying to find out, because uh, they got a report there was a silver shirt organization being formed. Uh-oh. But the report was denied. Uh, by in the record on Saturday by Mr. John C. Ruth, the organizer, but he declined to tell anyone what the nature of the meetings were really about. So John C. Root was keeping those six weeks right, meetings right. in his home secret. So the police didn't know what the angle was, if there right. was one. Right. Was he conning these people? Well, interesting that you say that. When I was reading the legend, Initially, I thought he might have been a con man. Right, right. But upon further review of the information, which I'll go on, I'll tell you what I learned here. Okay. You got my hook. Yeah. One of the followers, to this day, clung to the belief that Brown had psychic information. Ah. That Brown was all right. right. Even though he had disappeared, they believed he was all right. On an index card in the federal shelter, it was listed that Brown suffered as an amnesia victim in 1932, and he had entered, uh, he had entertained fears that he, would be, he had been followed. Right, right. And he told people, which is interesting, he told people that being a millionaire, 
he feared being kidnapped and therefore yeah. appeared incognito. Uh -oh. So he was already giving people the clue that, guys, I'm, I'm here as J.C. Brown, but I'm really not J.C. Brown because I'm worth $40 million wow. and I'm, on, I'm here under assumed name. <laughs> so he already dropped the clue. And as I saw that in the legend, I said, okay, let me follow that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Brown had a very fascinating story, as I said, and uh, he was interested in the study of mysticism and occultism. So he was into the wow. mysticism. And a person who understands and has some knowledge of these matters, they would understand this if they were there in the meetings when they talked about these occult yeah. things. What's Lemuria? For people you know, who really don't know, I like to expand on it. The natural question is, what is the lost continent of Lemuria? Right, right. Because mm -hmm. most of us, and as of when I first read it, I didn't know. Right. But after much poring over encyclopedias, one finds it is the mythical continent believed by scientists okay. to hold the key to a lost civilization. Wow. So, Brown, well-educated man, achieved what he had told people was impossible to organize a group of a large party, party without a semblance of proof for this fantastic story which he used to lure people in yeah. to go on the expedition. Yeah, like, like the hook. Yeah, he, well, exactly. He had a major hook. <laughs> Great fisherman, I would think. Roll them dice. But what was, what was Brown's objective, is what I thought. And that the, the police... They questioned all of, the, all of the followers. Right, right. But some of them were unshaken in their belief ah. that the man was telling the truth. Right, okay. N never sought money. So far as the police or the writer of this article in 1934 right. was able to discover, Brown never asked for one cent in Stockton, California. Well, that's probably good for him. Which, yeah, which I, I found so. very yeah. interesting, yeah. Arthur was that the only money he received was $5 given by a friend while he lived at the federal shelter, so, so as far as the, as the writer could learn. So he didn't take a dime from anyone regarding this, this venture. The only other question they had, or the writer had, was Brown's mental state. And there were those who associated, asserted that he was rational, despite a notation in the federal record, in the federal shelter record, that he was an amnesia victim in 1932, and on three occasions reported that someone was following him uh -oh. and threatening him. Paranoia. Do, 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 do. The plot thickens. Arthur, there was a fear that he had met with foul play. Yeah. And it was expressed among all those who waited in John C. Root's home as they gathered in his house and on the front porch in the backyard awaiting the surprise. What was the surprise? Well, the surprise was that he was supposed to take them all up to Mount Shasta right, at 1 right. p.m. They, they were coming here. But he never showed up. He never showed up where? At John Root's home. In Stockton? In Stockton, back at the home. And? Well, that's where, that's where it becomes a legend. So what have you done? What have you found so far? Well, what I did is I uh, took the clues that I what had. What clues um, you said? Well, the clues that I learned in this legend that I'm reading, and uh, there were five of them. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, one of them was, was he was employed with the Lord Cowdrey Mining Company of England. Right. Another I learned in, in the legend was uh, he worked his entire career with the same company. And he was a geologist, a civil engineer by trade. And the man who shows up in 1934 was either in his late 60s or 70s. And he mentioned that he had photos and papers in a vault, bank vault in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, it's, and it's then, all and very then, interesting. The first question I'd like to ask you is, um, was there any evidence or was there a man named J.C. Brown? Did you find any information that existed in the United States? Well, Jacoby, no, I didn't. I was unable to find anyone in the United States named J.C. Brown. Hmm. Whoa. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So this guy just disappeared with his name, too. Exactly. Wow. Well, if, well then if, if he didn't exist, then um, the, did the uh, Lord Cowdery Mining Company exist? Is there documentation that this was... Yeah, real company. For real? Yeah. Yes, there was. I was able to go on Google and find a record of it. Uh, Great. There was a Lord Cowdrey Mining Company of England. Now, did you Google up uh, JB? I Googled JC Brown. JC? JC Brown, and the only JC Brown I could find was someone in Alaska who had uh, became mayor, but he didn't fit the criteria, so no. he wasn't the JC Brown I was looking for. Uh oh. Yeah, was the. Um, was the company named after the owner himself? Was uh, was there was there a Lord Cowdrey? Yes, there was a Lord Cowdrey. The owner of the company was named Lord Cowdrey. Hmm. And and was uh, was Lord Cowdrey a, a geologist? Um, like the man in the legend was? Were they connected? Was was he a geologist? Yes, Lord Cowdrey. In fact, he was also a geologist. Wow. Hmm. hmm. So, um, so was was Lord Cowdery still still alive in in 1934? Actually, no. He died seven years earlier in 1927. Hmm. Hmm. So where where are we at here? On on is this guy for real? Well, he's for real. I find a Lord Cowdery at this point, and he dies in 27. So, at this point, I'm saying to myself, well. There is a Lord Cowdrey company. <clears throat> there is, he is the owner of the company. And the man in the legend, I reread the legend, it says, well, this man claimed he worked for this Lord Cowdrey mining company. So at that point, I'm saying it was, I, am I looking for an, a lieutenant of the Lord Cowdrey mining company? Right, so at that right. point, I decided, well, could I find a biography on the life of yes. Lord Cowdrey? Was, was there a biography on the, on the life of Lord Cowdrey? Yes, there was. Wow. I was able to find one in... Uh, the New York Public Library on Thirty uh, Fourth Street, and yes, there was a, uh, a biography on him. Wow! Wow! When did I found that, the biography, what did, yeah, what did, what did the biography? Well, the biography talked about his life, but it showed uh, three other engineers that that worked for him that were his top lieutenants. And at that point, I decided I was going to research the three other gentlemen to find out could. One of these three gentlemen be, in fact, J.C. Brown. Wow. Yeah, totally. Well, the, the man in the legend claimed that he worked as a geologist for Lord Cowdrey, um, the mining company, who, who appeared in 1934. Could this man have been a, a lieutenant in the organization also? Well, the answer is yes, because I, I learned that uh, the man who appeared to be J.C. Brown 
was in fact a lieutenant for the Lord Cowjay Mining Company and was his right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Bingo! Mm -hmm. um, could the man be a foreigner and have slipped, could he have slipped in and out of the country um, without being detected? Well, the answer for that is yes, because I, at that point I'm thinking, well, after 76 years, the reason why it's probably remained a, less, uh, a legend is because I'm looking for someone who doesn't live in the United States. Right. So mm -hmm. at that point, I had to ask myself a following question, you know, and uh, and there were and more questions that arise. Yeah, well, the, well, the one question that arises with me is, uh, was there a record of all of, of uh, border crossings, either through Canada, Mexico, Cuba, the United States, you know, that, well, that could be traced? The answer is absolutely, positively yes. I was able to trace and track uh, border crossings through, through Mexico. Uh, as, as the search continued, I discovered that Lord Cowdrey, through the biography that I mentioned earlier, was not born Lord Cowdrey. He was Sir Wheatman Pearson mm -hmm. and had later on uh, in England been uh, knighted, I guess you would call it, knighted. and became the first Viscount Cowdrey. Mm -hmm. So here it is, I've got a man that is Lord Cowdrey but was born Sir Wheatman Pearson. So now I'm, I'm, I've got a juggling act to figure out the, the rest of the story. I had photos of the engineers, and right. I also had memoirs of all of the men, and I, just, and I, I then tracked uh, all the border crossings of all the men into the United States. What I interestingly learned that in 1903, coming in on the National New Mexico Railroad and, and Laredo Footbridge Company, Sir Wheatman Pearson, J.B. Body, W.E. Sayre, and Robert Adams came in through the border of Laredo, Texas. Mm -hmm. Just like J.C. Brown claimed in the legend. I then looked at the article again for the 1934 paper and said, well, in the article, J.C. Brown claimed that in his second trip into the United States is yeah. when he discovered the tunnel. Uh -huh. ah. So I looked for a second border crossing. <laughs> what did you come up with on that one? Well, I found that J.B. Body came in again in 1907, but this time he brought in three other civil engineers. One was named C.M. Yeomans, John McLaughlin, Fred Kleisman, Fred Kleisner, and he brought in his own personal valet, John Gilmartin, in there in 1907. So it was my belief that Lord Cowdray allowed him to bring in three of his top engineers who were all working in Mexico for Lord Cowdray Mining Company with J.B. Body to come up to Mount Shasta to dig out the tunnel. That's amazing. So definitely there was, there was identity, a lot of identity change and these people were traveling around with a lot of money and they could maneuver. But we're talking about very, very rich men, I mean. Yeah. I hear that you're going to go do an expedition on mountain. Well, yes, that is the second part of my my journey. I've come out to Mount Shasta to. Uh, it is true, then. Yes, to search for the uh, hidden so, tunnel. Will you follow up with us in, in the next couple of weeks and let us know? Absolutely. I'll All right, you've got a second show coming up. Well, I All thank right. you very much. We're, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. Are. 
Can we go with you? If you like, All right. you're invited. And what? And if there we go, I mean, we're this, on. This, this could have a this could have a extreme impact on a, on many aspects of of our societal beliefs and everything. If yeah, this if this yeah. winds up being down there and uh, and and um, then then this could lead to a this could lead to discovery. a movie. Are you movie. writing a movie? Well, it's basically, movie. what you're movement of energy. Yeah. Interesting, you mentioned that after the discovery, I decided to write a screenplay for the movie. It's called The Legend of J. C. Brown, and uh, okay. yes, there's a movie. All right, all right, we'll hold it. It's suspense there. All right, thank you very much. That's Arthur Tox, and we're gonna go into the mountain, and we're gonna find where it is. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Have a great day.